Spider-Man's mm-hmm. girlfriend, Kristen Dunst. He's just laying there the whole time. Spider-Man's in, girlfriend. I forgot her name was. She did the upside down kiss of Spider-Man. Who doesn't want to kiss Spider-Man upside down? Are you kidding me? You tell me Spider-Man look in front of you like and kiss him upside down. Fucking everybody, everybody better kiss Spider-Man upside down. Welcome back to Asinine Radio, a weekly podcast where we talk about music and, well, that's pretty much it. So, uh, let's go! This is Asinine Radio. This is the weekly music podcast where every week we get into a different band, a uh, different artist, different album, and we break it down. We uh, we do all the research we could possibly do. We find out all the little secrets about everything we that we that we do our research on, and then we let everyone else know because you know we're Asinine Radio. Mm-hmm. Uh, thank you all for listening. Go to Apple Podcasts, go rate, review, and subscribe to us on there. Follow us on social media at Asinine Radio. Thank you all for listening. My name is Tyler. Way out there, hundreds of miles away. Way out there in the ether is Jeff. Now, uh, now, Jeff, what, what are we doing today? What do we got? Ah, we're doing uh, Juturna by Circus Survive. Circus Survive, formed in Philadelphia, Philadelphia, Pennsylvania in 2004 by Anthony Green on vocals, Colin Frangicetto Frangicetto on guitar, Brandon Ekstrom on guitar, Nick Beard on bass, and Steve Clifford on drums. They currently have six full-length records, three EPs, and have a strong following within the indie community. But the album we're doing today is Juturna. It's the band's debut record, and it was released April 19th, 2005. It features the original and only lineup that the band has ever had. And, uh, yeah, that's all I got. So, Jeff, what 
what is your what is your origin story with Circa Survive? What do you got? Go. I I don't I don't know. I was trying to think about it this week. I don't know when the first time I heard Circa was, and it's this was uh, <laughs> I guess for like for better or worse. This is when we were graduating high school, and things were changing in our lives. Things were happening. Big stuff was happening. But all I remember is now I'm in college and I'm listening to a lot of Circa. I'm listening to a lot of like uh, The Sound of Animals Fighting. I'm just getting really into this scene. I don't know how it happened. I just remember being in the middle of it. <laughs> and I don't know. I've, I, I really have no, I have no recollection. I just know that we love this album. I don't know when yeah. it first came out, but that summer after we graduated high school... And then, like years on, it was just like Anthony Green, and maybe it was like the RX Bandits. I liked the RX Bandits before Circa, and there mm. was the Sound of Animals fighting where they kind of came combined, 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 and made yeah. the Sound of Animals That's fighting. A good word. So I don't know. I don't know when it happened, but it's I, it just happened. I don't know. Okay, I've, right. I have no idea, no speculations, <laughs> nothing. So I got into Circa Survive through my friend John. He, uh, he's a couple years younger than us and he, uh, he, at the time he was living in Lancaster, so I didn't see him a lot. And one day we hung out, he had come over, he'd come down to Orange County and we were hanging out and he was, he loved Sayosin, just fucking loved Sayosin, the Anthony Green era and then also the Cove era, which was like right, right before this. And, uh, and then he, he introduced me to to Circa. He was the one who who did that. It was the summer after we graduated high school, I think. Pretty sure it was. It was like end of my senior year, of yeah. our senior year. And uh and yeah, he 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 listened to a lot of Seosin and a lot of Zoloff and the Rock and Roll Destroyer. So he got me into that. And yeah, it was all through my friend John. He was he just is a huge even still to this day is a huge Anthony Green fan. Just has followed his career from like almost day one it seems up until now and that that's how i got into circa and then obviously that kind of when it bled into hanging out with you guys because it was a two different friend it was two different friend groups and at the time a lot of our friend groups didn't like hang out with each other it was weird well, and there was to be fair <laughs> you were the only person that was so reluctant to merge your different <laughs> friend groups Everybody else was, was had no problem. True, yeah, and only two of those friends were able to successfully merge into. Right, no, rightfully so. Rightfully so. Some of your other friend <laughs> groups were. There's still beef today. That that friend in the pod, Ryan, and friend in the mm -hmm. pod, Alicia. There's money that is owed to the other person yes, that is still unpaid. Owed, yes. So maybe <laughs> rightfully so. Yeah, maybe, maybe, maybe. But yeah, anyway, so John was was the one who got me into into Circa and Anthony Green in general and and early early Seosin on that one EP cuz I never liked Seosin uh after Anthony Green had left the band. I just didn't like that new singer. It just eh, been it better. Me. I'm a I'm a Co fan, baby. Are you? No, you're Absolutely. Not. 100%. Really? Are you kidding me? Of course. You're stupid. You're dumb. I think he matches the but, band better. I think the band's not nearly as good oh. as Circa is, and so therefore you don't need a, a singer that can, needs to be over the top like Anthony Green was. Have you have you heard the last Seosin record, the one that the Anthony one with Green Anthony did? Green? Yeah. Yeah. It's really good. It is really good. It's fucking really good. It's solid. Yeah, I'm not, not going <laughs> to sit here and say it's not good. Of course. 
damn, man, that was, I think outside of Juturna, that is the best thing uh, Anthony Green has ever done. That Sayosin record. The one from like 2016 or whenever it was. That was great stuff. I mean, but it's, it's tough. It's, it's tough to say otherwise, but okay. It's true though. It's true. So that, that's my origin story with the band. And um, so then what are your initial thoughts on Juturna? What do you got? I don't know. Juturna was, uh, it was, uh, it's weird because Juturna came out as we were graduating high school, but Mm -hmm. it wasn't really a part, it wasn't like an integral part of our circle until like most of us went on to college and like did other things. So like late 2005 and that's when it really got big. And I think it's because that's when we really started to party. Yeah, it, it could was, be, yeah. Like, after high school, we really started to hit the party scene, and then we still weren't drinking heavily. And so I, I think I think Circa was, was more of, like, driving music, but then it became, like, life music. And going to these parties and going to the, you know, Brian Moore's house. Should we say last names? <laughs> I already did. Yeah, we can say it, yeah. Okay, okay. the party house. Well, because Brian Moore's not party a real name. It's a fake name, clearly. <laughs> Going to the party house and things like that and, and, and going to like parties after high school and, and just mm-hmm. having real no direction. Like there was just no after high school ended, it's it's it sounds so cliche, but like you've nothing to do. Like you could do whatever you want. Yeah. You're not constrained anymore. You're not you're not a prisoner. You're not you don't have to do anything if you don't want to do it. It's just that that feeling is is it's kind of overwhelming at, at to a mm-hmm. point because even now today when I have, I have a lot of days off, but when you have a day off <laughs> and you have so much to do, you say, oh, I'll get everything done in one day. But then you end up getting nothing done because you have so much time. You know what I mean? Like you just, yeah, you do nothing. No, I get it. I get it. And so I think like Circus Survive came in just at the right time because they were a band that is really, they perfectly blended like emo, but like the hard, the harder edged emo, not like the, the. I, I, I guess also like the softer edge demo, but then also with like the, the post hardcore stuff like circuit survive encompassed all of it. They blended so many different genres together and they came at a time in our life where we were just really searching for what to do next. And they came along and it was really eclectic and in our music voyage, it was at the mm-hmm. time when we, we were not taking it seriously, but we were having more fun with it. We were exploring more and, mm-hmm. and circuit, provided that and anthony green provided that and sound of animals fighting provided that and all of the other weird offshoots that anthony green did and the guys from rx bandits and one of the dudes from circuit did so it was just it was a fun time it was a fun time in music and it was a fun time for us it was i don't know i don't know what your question was but that's all no, I no i mean initial thought that was the it was your initial thoughts on this record yeah that's so. it so i mean my my thoughts are too i mean this was the first thing i heard so i have a lot of memories not just with you guys, but also with the tower people when I worked at tower records, because this is also, you know, eternal sunshine had just come out. And, you know, when, when you're 18, 19 years old and you hang out with other 18, 19 year olds who are into the scene, everybody loves that movie. I mean, that was the movie of that, those like two, three years. And this, this album just resonated so much with, with people, some of the people I hung out with at tower and, uh, because of that movie too, and watching that movie with them, and and listening to this record with them, as well as you guys, man, there's just so many cool memories and cool times with awesome people from every friend group. So, yeah, and th- this this record really is something for me. It just it was that weird thing that 
everybody I knew really enjoyed. You know, it wasn't like not everybody really likes Blink, but for whatever reason, everybody really loved this record at the time. So you, this is something we could all relate to and listen to and have a good time with. And yeah, th- this record, this record is just at the time there was the closest thing that sounded to this would be like the Mars Volta. But even that is a real stretch because the Mars Volta is way more complex and out there than, than Circa. But this is probably the closest thing you can get to it. That's this that's is like the Cody thing though. Like, and like, Cody. like Circa, like comparing Circa to the Mars Volta is fair and you can make that comparison but the Mars Volta were like musicians playing music for music lovers. Whereas Circa were just a bunch of kids and you know, yeah, they're not kids, but there was a bunch of kids playing Mars Volta music for a bunch of kids in the scene, in the scene scene and scene is its own scene. That, that scene clip, that carabiner attached to your keys, (laughs) the tight pants, the emo haircut, the stuff that my chemical romance made an entire career out of, that mm-hmm. was the scene, for better or worse. That was the scene. Yeah. And Circa played but Circa, for them, but they all, but they didn't dress like that. Like they didn't, they didn't dress like MCR or it wasn't or that bands it, or it taking that back egregious. Sunday. But they had tight pants. They did, and it's. I mean, going back and watching the Act Appalled video, that, that video is so of that that time period. Just the way they dress, the way they move, the the concept of that music video. It's so it's so like bootleg. The video is so bootleg, but it's just so much of that. That's how people that that was like every, every that was the whole the whole entire scene was in that video and how people look like. It wasn't the craziness of MCR or like metalcore or anything like that. That was like the basicness of that scene. That's how most people looked and dressed and act acted in the in the scene. You know, there was a big there was a big push for just like tight pants plain t-shirts with nothing on them and then either like adidas or onisuka tigers for your shoes and just (laughs) really kind of like extravagant exotic shoes yeah like vans didn't quite make the comeback until like 2010 ish in the scene maybe a little bit earlier yeah yeah but But it was only like a very yeah at this time, it was for sure like Adidas and then Onisuka Tigers were fucking massive, especially in the Orange County scene. Yeah, because Converse had kind of made their way out, you know, out of the scene. Puma was coming back, but Converse were slowly going out for the most part. And dude, it was a it was a stupid time in like fashion and <laughs> in the scene. It was it was it was, but it, it was, was fun. different. Yeah, it was different. It was fun. It was a I, lot of fun. I like that video though. I, I like I like the the idea of the video. I just don't like the application of it. So if we're talking about Act Appalled, yeah, right. I mean, do you want to go into that one or do you want to do? Yeah, I mean, we might as do? well. We might as well because I mean, I you don't have any stinkers, right? No. Yeah, I don't either. So so we might as well just start with Act Appalled, and then we could kind of say what our banger is on this one, if that or where it sits in our banger list, right? Yeah. You want to say you want to do that? Okay, because since we already played it, so. This is my 2B. Actipald is my 2B. Damn, it's my 2B2. There you go. There you go. 2B2. So then what were you saying about, about the video? Uh, it's it's a jam video. It's a jam video, but they interpolated with a, a real concept and something that was rampant at the time and still is and was. But it's 
like the idea of a girl going out and getting and getting uh, roofied at a bar and getting sexually yeah. assaulted, like that is a real concept. But it's undercut. It's undercut by the stupid fucking jam video, and the fact <laughs> that they keep putting themselves in and and disrupting the flow of like the feeling. It's just I thought it was very disjointed and I thought it was stupid and I don't like it. But I like where their head was at. But it was just horrible application. Yeah, it, I mean, on it, I think it might be because they it was very it was a very dark subject, so they didn't want to like go all in on it. Maybe they wanted to keep it maybe a little more lighthearted, if that's even a good word to use in the situation. It is by it having is. them in it just to kind of dilute the the darkness of it. <laughs> so maybe that maybe that was it. I don't know. I mean, that's that's you know? that's exactly what it was. I mean, Anthony Green had not come out yet. And talked about his mental health issues. He had not really discussed in depth why he had left Seosin. He had not even come back to mm-hmm. Seosin at this point. So in this scene, when Anthony Green left Seosin because he had personal issues to deal with, and then formed Circa, that was like he like everyone everyone thought, oh my god, he must hate the dudes from Seosin. I can't believe he did that. So that like that was the scene though. Like people didn't. It's not like it is today. The kids don't know what it's like back in the day. It's not like it is today where people can actually say what's on their mind and say things and move forward and 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 yeah. try and heal from it. In 2005, it was it was different. And it, it was only 15, 16 years ago, but it was it was like the wild west out there, man. This guy left a band cuz he just didn't want to do it anymore and everybody tore him apart. Yeah, they did. He was he was ridiculed quite a bit. They tore him apart Seosin. for years because Seosin were about to blow up. I mean, they were they were going to explode. That EP and got a they, lot of buzz. It did. I mean, it really did. And I mean, the 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 their first album with Cove. I mean, that was very popular. But had Anthony been in the band still, I think I think they would have been way way bigger. But I mean, <laughs> to leave a band like that is it's pretty wild within the scene, especially because the scene was just. I mean, they, they were pumping out. There were so many great bands coming out of this this scene, and especially on the East Coast with Taking Back Sunday, brand new, and it was just, this this whole thing was just thriving with great bands. It was weird. It was very weird. But then I, I remember talking to John too, and he was always on the forums at the time, and he and, and he said everyone knew it was because he was like coked out or heroin or whatever. Like that was always the big issue. So, but nobody really wanted to talk about it. They just kind of like, you know, brush it under the rug and that was it. So, but then, you know, he was successful. He's been successful with Circa. So good for him. He's been sober since like 2014. Yeah. I mean, that's good. I mean, it's great. I mean, it's unfortunately it took a little longer than I'm sure he wanted, but you know, seven years sober now, not bad. It's not bad at all. Yeah. Yeah. Act appalled to be. To be. So, uh, so we we already played it. What do you, what do you got lyrically on this one? Uh, so, like, if we're going to go back to the the whole eternal sunshine of the spotless mind type of thing, I think there's an underlying theme of this entire album. I don't think this entire album is about the movie, but I think the theme no. itself is is in line with the movie. And mm-hmm. uh, just for, like, a quick synopsis, if anyone who's never seen, actually, the last great Jim Carrey movie he's ever done is <laughs> Eternal yeah, Sunshine. Maybe, yeah. Like, Yes Man was good, but... Eh. It's not even. It's not nearly one of his best comedies. Yeah, I think Eternal Sunshine is the last good movie Jim Carrey ever did. You might be right. I can't think of anything else because Bruce Almighty was before that. Cable Guy was it top five? Oh, Cable Guy was way before it. 
way no, before Cable that. Cable Guy's not top five. Oh, dude, Cable, Cable Guy's so good. He's a villain, bro. Yeah. He's a villain. Not in a stupid 23 yeah, way. In a good way. <laughs> Let's look at his I'm uh, pretty sure Eternal Sunshine of the Spotless Mind is, if, is, he, is the last good oh, movie he's man. done. Prove me wrong. I'm, I'm looking. Hold oh, on. Give me, please, give me a second. Oh, please, because this was like 2004. Come on, Jim Carrey. You had to have done Let's, something good since then. Let's see what he's done since two thousand. It was two thousand four, right? You said, yeah. yeah. He did a series too, of like, unfortunate events in two thousand four, which was the also, Lemony Snickets. Yeah, that was a good. That was good. That was, that was fine. Uh, Fun with Dick and Jane was in 05. That was okay. Meh. Meh. Yes, man. In two thousand eight, I love you, Philip Morris. What was that? I never even heard or seen that yeah. one. Uh, Christmas Carol, that animated one, that was actually really good. Meh. Um. And then I was on the episode of The Office. I forgot about that. You're not wowing uh, me here, kid. Yeah. Mr. Popper's Penguins. No. Never saw that one. Yeah. Uh, the Incredible Burt Wonderstone. No. Didn't see that one. Kick-Ass 2. No. Hey, you're, de- you're definitely not wowing me, kid. <laughs> Dumb and Dumber 2. No. Oh. And they spelled it T-O, um, like as if they're witty and funny. <laughs> oh. I know. The Bad Batch. I don't know what that was. Um, the Bad Batch. Dark Crimes. I don't know what that is. And then Sonic the Hedgehog, which I heard was a pretty oh, de- was an okay movie. Okay. Well, that's not technically a Jim Carrey movie, but he yeah, was really good in it. that movie. I haven't seen it. But okay. It's a good movie. You should yeah. check it out. It's not as good as my theory for what Sonic the live action should be, but it's a good movie. <laughs> you're so dumb. I'm just saying. It's a good movie. But no, you're right. He, he it's um Yeah, Eternal Sunshine was the best because before that, I mean, Bruce Almighty was funny. The Majestic was good. Uh, How the Grinch Stole Christmas. I mean, it, it's a classic. Me, myself, and Irene. Man on the Moon. True uh, Truman Show. Simon Birch. Wait, he was in Simon Birch. Yeah. Fuck oh, Simon shit. Birch. Miss Chronic That's would it. cry every fucking. We watched every like four fucking times. T- every I know. Time. <laughs> I know. Every, every fucking, fucking time. time. <laughs> so dumb. <laughs> I love. You know what? Like I used to make fun of her. I, I used to always. Yeah. Uh, I make fun of Miss Chronic a lot, but she was like the dopest teacher like I ever had. She was so she was real. Really cool. And the fact that she kept putting Simon Birch on, knowing she's going to break down and cry, like that shows how vulnerable she was, though, right? Yeah. Like she true, knows yeah. it's horrible, but much like much like the fucking eternal sunshine of the spotless mind, <laughs> like you're not going to not do something because of what happens in the meantime. The great Mitch Hedberg joke, like, hey, Mitch, do you want an apple? He says, no, because eventually it'll be a core. Like, no, the middle part is the best part. And that's going back to what the, the, the synopsis of Eternal Sunshine and the Spotless Mind is, is two, is two lovers decide they don't want to be together anymore and decide that it was mm. so painstaking that they erased the memory of the other person. And they eventually meet again. Spoilers, they eventually meet again in Montauk where they mm. first met. And it's a whole cyclical thing. And they realize that they've already met before and they realize that it didn't work out, but they still want to do it over again because maybe, just maybe this time it'll be different. Oh, and, man. and that... That is what this album is about, is making mistakes, is about doing what is good right now, regardless of what will happen later. Just because an apple mm-hmm. will eventually be a core, the middle part's really good. Yeah. So, what are we oh, talking about? Man. Act Appalled. Yeah, so Act Appalled. Act Appalled, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but, I've, but, I mean, I, he uses that, that theme and that subject, but a lot of this album, or at least half of this album, is about his drug abuse and, and how it's overtaken his life. So it's, it goes with the theme a bit, but there are also so many references to that movie as well. So, and also like a book called the house of leaves, which I haven't read, but I'm sure you haven't read it either, but 
the apparently fuck does that mean? Because I don't read? Yeah, I know you don't read books. No. You haven't, you've only probably read one book since high school, right? Well, that's not fair. Since college would be a fair assumption. Okay, okay. Since college. Since you graduated in what, 2009? 2010? Yeah, fucking 20 years after <laughs> I started. <laughs> <laughs> You've probably read one book. To be that, fair, the like, last eleven years. To be fair, like word for word, I probably read more than a lot of people, just because I I read the paper. I have multiple yeah, magazine yeah. subscriptions. So, okay, everybody out there, <laughs> word for book. word, but that doesn't matter. Book. That doesn't. Does what matter. is? What does it matter? It's because because what? These books are better. Because I say it matters. If you don't read books, then you're a fucking stupid. <laughs> Got big cheeks. <laughs> So like I, I think above uh, all else, yes, there are there are problems on this album that he's talking about, but when you talk about a problem like addiction, he's he's trying really hard not to focus on the addiction itself, but the feeling mm-hmm. that he has while being addicted. If that yeah, makes yeah. sense. And I think this album is entirely based around like the feeling in eternal sunshine, the, the, the feeling of, even though I know this is going to fuck me up, like the relationship from Kate Winslet and Jim Carrey, I'm still going to do it because it feels good up until that point where I get really fucked up. And who knows, maybe it'll be different this time. I don't know. But I think that's the point of this album is, is the middle ground. This is a middle ground album. Yeah. Yeah. And I think that's what that act of Paul is about. This is a very vulnerable, self-conscious song about someone, you know, Anthony, who has to mm-hmm. lie and cheat and to get attention or even friendship. And and I think like he knows they're different for, for whatever that means, quote unquote different and feels they need to trick people into like being their friend while the entire time feeling they need to get back to this, this moment of clarity or their center, as he says, doesn't mm-hmm. feel like himself. He's trying to get back to what he felt like before all this happened. And I think the feeling is there the feeling is what he wants you to understand not why he's feeling that it's not yeah, the no, drugs that are doing it it's because he's feeling it is doing it yeah it's, yes. uh, and i've noticed that i noticed that with a lot of these songs you can the metaphors he uses and the words he uses they're 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 they can be very ambiguous and you can take it as both a relationship with somebody else whether it be a friend or or, or lover or it could be about his drug abuse and i feel like this is one of those songs he wants to like I, if if you look at it from a drug a- aspect he hides in front of he hides behind like a facade he tries to be a normal person in front of everybody but in the end he's he knows he's destroying himself he's an addict he knows he's an addict he's he knows he's destroying himself with whatever he's using and it's just tearing him down but he keeps up the facade so people don't un, so people don't look down on him as being a drug addict and as ruining his life or whatever and he's just in the end it's just kind of destroying his and everybody else's the, the people around him their lives so that's kind of what i what i also got from this for if you're looking at it from like a an addict standpoint or more a personal standpoint like that so that's what i got on this one yeah and then get get back to the center like what you're saying get back to the center is like him wanting to kick the drugs and get back to like how he felt before he was seduced by cocaine like a lot of this i think is based around cocaine and booze so i think that's kind of what he's at least for me i think that's what he's kind of referring to i i i I agree i think i think this this album is is like a a cry for help type of thing 
but I really, I really don't think that he wants us to focus on the cocaine, the the booze, the drug part. But he wants us to focus on his mental stability at that moment. Yeah, and that's what he's yeah. really pushing for. And that's why it's so ambiguous. It's because he's, mm-hmm. he doesn't want us to think, oh, this is a, an addiction song, and then write it off as such. This is a mm-hmm. song where he feels, and then da 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 yada, 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 as Elaine from, <laughs> from Seinfeld. Yada, yada, yeah. yada. I feel like his lyrics, too, I, there were a few times on this record, a couple songs where I just, I could not, I couldn't figure out what he was trying to say. I I read some of these the lyrics to these songs over and over, but I just I couldn't figure it out. Luckily, Actapalda wasn't one of them, but some of them are just they're too much. And there's a fine uh, line between staying in theme and then just throwing out a bunch of random s- string of words and then saying mm-hmm. you're you're staying in theme. And I think he he dances that line pretty well. Yeah, yeah. Because there's some shit here. You're right. That just like come on, bro. No. <laughs> Yeah, I just, I don't, no. I can't figure it out. So, uh, do we have anything else on Act of Paul? I mean, because we played it and then, I mean, this is, this song starts off heavy and fast, right to the point that da na na it's just like the, the downstrokes of the guitar and everything going, kind of rolling along and he comes in pretty quick too. Like there's not, there's not much of an intro at all. And then it's just it gets kind of like loose loose is a bad word, but it gets kind of like swingy with the drums and everything. And then everything that there's that one part, I guess kind of between the verses where it's very swingy and then it goes doo doo. It's that, that those two hits right there on the guitar. Dude, that's and the like way one that, of the best parts of the song. It's, it's so, so good. good. I, that's my favorite part of the song. That's, that's like right when it starts with, with to fool them in, like, and then to fool yeah. them in. And then you have the high guitar part doing that little lead part, just that, boom, boom. It's, it, it's very almost like refused. It's something refused would have done years, like 10 years prior. But in this context, in like the indie scene, I don't know. It's, I, I love that. It's the best part of the whole song. One of the best parts on the whole record. I this feel. is... I think this is the only song on the entire record where everybody is kind of on their own. And then mm. when, when, when like that slow down part after the frantic intro mm-hmm. where it slows down a little bit, I mean, that's, that's so like post hardcore. And then oh, yeah. dude, everyone is just, but like this is the only time where everyone is really just doing something totally different and they come together in the chorus. They, if you remember, everyone's just, noodling and just doing their own thing and going off and then they come together just so perfectly <laughs> it I is it. and then they even like they give themselves a little break too that's like where everybody just stops and lets lets their instruments ring out for like like half a bar and then it just goes right back into the song like you you get this this perfectly timed break from all because everything is just non-stop nobody stops and then all of a sudden you just that it's that break that really makes the song really makes the song really good too but awesome song awesome great song it's a good song but, it's 2b uh yeah it is it is a 2b so uh how many bangers do you have on this record i think seven okay i got five yeah seven got bangers. five got five b's uh so then what's your what's your number one dude my number one b is it's from the moment i heard this song till today it is still it is still the greatest thing Anthony's ever done, and that even every side project, anything's ever done, it's in fear and faith. That oh, is, did that's my one B too. It's 
it's it's, it's too good. chilling, dude. It's chilling. It fucking is chilling mm-hmm. to me. I, I got I get goosebumps, and it is unbelievable how good this song is. I know, I know. This is this is my song. favorite. This is my favorite circus song ever. This is just there's nothing wrong with this one. The, the just the the opening guitar, the the high guitar part, and then the bass comes in just so heavy and. And then Anthony comes in with, can we last through the winter? It just, I think that first line too just sets up the song so well. And it's just, it's its almost, it's a very unsettling sounding song. And especially once you get him saying that, it's almost like you kind of know you're in for like an experience or like a, like a ride on this song. This is... It's so good. <laughs> this is a song you essentially need to minimum listen to three times. One for the vocals or like one just to get a good get a grasp on it. One, just so you can focus on the vocal part, because I think the lyrics here are really fucking cool. And then one just for the bass. Yeah. The bass is this is the oh, best yeah. bass song that Cirque has ever done. He does some great has some great parts, some great noodling like randomly throughout it. It's oh it's it's set up so perfectly. Like like for, first of all, it swells in, right? There's mm-hmm. like that little swell that goes in. And then you got clean guitar chords that ding 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 ding. And then there's mm-hmm. a drum beat that leads into it afterwards but it's yeah it's it's like broken and the drum beat comes in like halfway through its beat and it's just it's really weird but it's fucking badass and then the bass mm-hmm. like what are you even doing here the first verse he's doing that downward with do 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 and the second verse is going up do 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 and then the third mm-hmm. verse he's back at the first verse riffage but it's faster as if he's like packing more notes in like, like he's rushing to get it all in and then going like along the lines of, of what we'll talk about in the lyrical theme like he's getting it all in before everything is over, and it's just the the bass the bass is is subtly driving this entire song forward, and every verse that he comes in in is completely different, and the bass is just it's uh, dude I don't even know why yeah. this song is so well produced because there's other songs too that have a great bass line on this album that don't sound as dynamic mm. as this. You're right. You're totally right. It was I feel like this almost was like mixed and mixed differently than the rest of the record. It it sounds very very different. It, it's it's one of the few standout tracks on this record, just sonically, absolutely sonically. And what it, what's the structure of the song is really weird too because you get the first verse and then you get like everything kind of like just stops and then he just says congratulations, go home now, and then he goes straight into the second verse, and then he after the second verse he does that again, and then it goes into the chorus chorus finally. So you get like almost halfway through the song before you even hit the chorus. And it's, it's such a weird thing. So you get the chorus, then then a bridge, and then the chorus again before you kind of round it out with the outro. So the, the, the structure of the song is very, very unusual. But for whatever reason, it works really well. That that break of just congratulations, go home now, is it shouldn't be as welcoming as, as it is to the ears, but it works really well. I don't know. Dude, the fact that I they can it. even go from like groovy and complex to quiet and slow and then drop right back into heavy and loud. It's just, yeah. it's absolutely amazing. And they go right back into the second verse with just like one snare hit. And then it just goes back into what they were doing. It's, it shouldn't work. It should not work at all, but I don't know how they pulled it off. I really don't know how it works so well. with Dude, The baseline in the second verse is just, it's so fucking good. It's so fucking perfect. And the way he plays yeah. it, is he breaks it up just a little tiny bit, and there's there's a couple there's a couple notes that are missing, 
and there it's like you can hear it so damn well and you 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 know where it's going and then he doesn't do what you think he's going to do but then in the next riff does the exact same thing and it's i don't know man it's 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 very it's very weird to describe but he's got to hear it yeah it's you're right stuff. you're right so here's a, i'm going to play a little bit of it right now and then we'll get into the lyrics and everything else so here's a, in fear and faith from circus survives There you go. A bit of In Fear and Faith from Circus Survive. It's crazy. Literally halfway through the song before you even hear that first chorus. <laughs> it's pretty cool, man. It's yeah, And like you said, the bass line, it just, it's absolutely killer. It's just, I don't know. It's it's just such a cool way of playing it. And it's it's much faster than what everybody else is doing almost. I don't know. It's it's absolutely killer. It reminds no big me of, riffs or anything, but it reminds me of how good the bass line is in like um, Longview by Green Day, where you get that yeah. that solid bass line, and you think, okay, cool. And the next time it comes up, how could how could Dern't really do it better? And he does. Mm-hmm. He hits a little like hammer ons real quick, and it's like yeah. it's just a little bit of a flare that he adds to the same bass line, and that's mm-hmm. what that's what's going on here. It's the same fucking bass line. Instead of going up, he's just going down now. Or vice versa, mm-hmm. and then just adding a little bit of choppiness to it, and I think, I think it's genius. It's truly genius. It is, but and it, it, it's it's genius and it's almost simplicity. You know, he's not he's not winking or anything. He's, it's it's just nothing complicated. But for whatever reason, it just it's so effective and it works so well for the song. And like I was saying, like there's no big heavy guitar riffs until you get to the until you get to the chorus, you know, it's just, just the high guitar playing and it's just bass driven for the first like minute and 50 seconds or so. 
It's just fucking bass driven. It's it's great. Three notes. Do do do. It's three notes the entire time instead yeah. of the first verse. Do 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 going down. He goes do 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 going up. Yeah. Yep. I mean, he just plays it like in a weird, in a weird, I guess syncopation. Is that what? The, would that be the right? I mean, he's, he's like he's like the right fingering the, the 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 notes, so he's adding like fourteen fucking notes. Do do do. And so it's 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 <laughs> so adding like good. a little bit to it, and 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 like the choppiness, the do do. Do 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 like that that kind of shit like what he's whatever he's doing I, it's so it's so easy it's so childish it's so basic but like mm-hmm. that's that's the beauty of it like that's 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 yeah. the beauty of it yep that's the beauty of life right um but that's the song right that's the beauty of it that's the beauty of life right yeah I mean I'm sure that's probably been Wait, said in a song isn't that like before. a Queen song isn't that in a Queen song. That's um, the beauty of life. That's the beauty of it. That's the beauty of life. Mm. Dude, it's a song I fucking know. What is that song? Yeah, I'm sure. Oh, I don't know. Anyway, whatever. So, uh, what do you got lyrically on in fear and faith? Uh, so, like putting it simple, simply, I think this is about a boy who loves a girl, but the girl mm-hmm. loves someone else, and the boy is devastated. He's devastated when she doesn't choose him, even after he professes his love to her, and. Yeah. I think all in all, she doesn't even, she doesn't love anybody. She just loves playing the field. She just loves the chase, that type of thing. She doesn't love anything because towards the end we hear, we hear him say, uh, it's, it's that start and stop and go you've been dying for. Mm -hmm. And I think that's like the thrill of the hunt type of thing. I think that's what he knows that she likes and he knows that it's never going to work out and going along the line along the line wow along <laughs> the fuck am I even saying going in theme <laughs> with the album it's not about the ending it's about the middle part it's about the journey he doesn't care that he knows right? he he knows they get the fuck out of here every time we text in our group chat <laughs> you always talk about that's stupid but it's about the it's about the journey <laughs> <laughs> He knows that it's never going to work out, but he doesn't care because the middle part is what really matters. And then I think this also goes along the lines of, of uh, eternal sunshine. Like that's the middle mm-hmm. part is what counts. The fact that this couple didn't work out the first time, they erased each other from their memories and they're going to do it again, knowing that it's probably not going to work out this time. They still do it. Why? Because the journey is what matters. They still like the middle ground. And yeah, it could turn out shit. Mm-hmm. But that's high risk, high reward, baby. That's why we live in a gambling country and a society. <laughs> that's what we do. So, I mean, the, if relating it to Eternal Sunshine, that that makes sense. But like, if, if you take Eternal Sunshine out of it, my kind of in, interpretation of this one is this is kind of him talking about a failing relationship. And he's just kind of wondering how much longer it's going to last and he's he's ready for her to leave because he just knows it's not going to it's not going to happen so he's just kind of letting it run its course but then thinking like how long how long before it actually does end cuz he knows it's going to end but he's kind of like afraid to end it himself so he's waiting until she gets fed up enough to end it to cut it off with him and that's kind of what I what I think it is it's almost like this almost cowardice when it in, in a relationship where you you want it to end, but you're too afraid to take that step, so you're waiting for the other person to be fed up enough to do it for you. So then you don't look like the bad guy really, 
and she does or he does. So that that's kind of what I'm. If you're taking it out of out of the context of of Eternal Sunshine, that's what I got on this one. I got like three so. contexts here. I, I could do it all, baby. Okay, I, yeah, I love this. Go song. for it, man. Go for it. Going along the lines of what I was saying already, and then kind of coinciding with your girlfriend theme. I do. I do think it's it's about overall. I think this song is 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 meant is meant for us to to take a step back and then look at our own personal lives and seeing why are we not in control of some situation. But let's take it. Let's take it from the relationship aspect first. the The line where he says, "Taking the wrong step, falling in front of me," I think that is is also coinciding with him loving somebody else. And then watching them do the wrong things in front of him and then falling mm-hmm. on their fucking face and saying he knows that this girl dating this other guy is not is not good for her, but she does it anyway. And he can see that he's not good for her, but she does it anyway. And that's the middle yeah. ground. That's the middle ground. Who knows? Maybe she knows it's not good for her, but that's not what the point is. The point is the middle ground. The point is the feeling. And I think. I, I think it goes deep into that theme. There's a lot of self-denial here where the boy is so hurt. He's now shielding himself and he's acting like he never even loved her, right? Because he says, yeah. like, I, ne- I never even loved you. And so I think yeah. there's a lot of, there's a lot of well, self-denial. Even, there's a lot of middle ground here. Well, even the, 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 the part where he says, congratulations, go home now. Like that right there kind of exemplifies your point. So That, that mean, congratulations, go home now, was I saw that as like, oh, great. Like you fucked him, great. You you hooked up with him. Just go home. Like I'm done with you. Like that yeah. type of because nobody says congratulations. Like nobody says congratulations. <laughs> Even when you're congratulating somebody, there's always a bit of like that word itself. Just there's always a bit of like envy to it, right? There's always like a little, a little bit, bit of that. And when you put like congratulations, it's a boy. There's always a little bit of like child envy, and there's there's always a little smidge in there. It's just a it's yeah. just a gross word. It's a word that has been perverted in our society, and it's. I, I think he chooses his words carefully sometimes. Sometimes I think he just word vomits. But in here, mm-hmm. I think he chose his words carefully. And I think overall, there's a, there's this concept of like, uh, I don't know, he pretends like he can only make it through this proverbial winter and then he'll be okay. But he mm-hmm. knows he may never be because a girl doesn't even like anybody. And like I said, she just wants to play the field. And yeah. and he knows that she'll never love him. She'll never love anybody. Mm-hmm. But he don't care. He don't she's care. Such a free spirit. And the the outro, the outro, the last line he says, "You've been dying for us so this entire time." He's been kind of like beating around the bush of how can we do this? Can we like the first? Oh, the opening line is, "Can we last through the winter?" And the mm-hmm. last one is, "You've." So now he's, he's taking it from the the plural we, and now he's saying mm-hmm. you. To where he's disconnecting himself from her and finally realizing that fuck, this ain't gonna happen. And yeah. I think that so middle ground the, from going from we to you is what the point of the song was: is to make you feel very alone, very sad. Yeah, but it's also a little bit of growth too, like finally cutting out. I think by the end of a year, he's kind of cutting her out of his life, you know, which is which is in theme to Eternal Sunshine because that was kind of the one of that was the thing you know it was them erasing their memories and i don't know well yeah i mean we're only fucking sense. We're, we're five songs deep in this album and i again like the bandmate said oh i didn't even read the 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 house of lee's book or we didn't really talk about 
Eternal Sunshine that much. It was just like loosely like based. Bullshit. Like, no, dude. You guys were clearly like fucking gushing over this movie, as was everybody else. Everybody was, yeah. Like in <laughs> 2004. Day, love it. Yeah, like it's it's an incredible movie. I actually rewatched yeah. it this week too in preparation. No, I wish this. I would have rewatched it. I, uh, I I did. I don't think it's Jim. Car- I, I don't think it's it's a top five Jim Carrey movie. Just oh, because, totally just because it's not a Jim Carrey movie. It's just really really good writing and really good effects. And for two thousand four, for the subtle effects that they were using, because Jim Carrey yeah. doesn't say a lot during the movie. He just kind of is there. And then sometimes in the whole like bed scene with Mark Ruffalo and then uh, Spider Man's mm-hmm. girlfriend, Kristen Dunst. He's just laying there the whole time. Spider-Man's in, girlfriend. I forgot her name was. She did the upside down kiss of Spider-Man. Who doesn't want to kiss Spider-Man upside down? Are you kidding me? You tell me Spider-Man look in front of you, you're not going to kiss him upside down. Fucking everybody, in the, everybody better kiss Spider-Man upside down. But anyway, oh, it's not like a Jim Carrey so movie. It's a, it's, a, it's, it's a story-driven movie. Jim Carrey just happened it to is. be in it. Such as like the Truman Show is also a very, very good story, but that is a Jim Carrey movie. It is, yeah. He is the sole character. He's the sole main character. Yeah. So I, th- I think like Eternal Sunshine is is still an underrated movie. Even I, I texted our neighbor this week if she wanted to watch it because they like watching movies and she's like, no, nah, I'm really stupid. And I was so mad. Oh, I'm still mad about it. <laughs> so I, it's it's severely underrated movie in, even still to this day, but I don't know if I'd say top five Jim Carrey. It, it's, I think it's like, it's Dumb and Dumber, Eternal Sunshine or vice versa. Like one of the, I mean, they fight for the number one for me. I think Eternal Sunshine is... You had it right it's for a, top, a second. It's, it's Dumb a top, is, is his best, <laughs> hands down, easy, done. <sighs> Eternal Sunshine, though, for me overall, is a top ten movie of all time. Of any, movie. <laughs> that is. I, I, that's I've, crazy. I've just, I love Eternal. I love this. I love the movie. It's that's so crazy. That's crazy. Talk. It's so good. I, it's fine. It's whatever. It is good. It is really good. I'm, I'm very much of this scene. You know, I, I grew up in this scene, so it has to be one of my favorite movies. So. I personally put Cable Guy above it, but that's fine. Nah, dude, Cable Guy's great, but come on, Sunshine is is better. Come on, come on, come on. on. Even the first Ace Ventura is better than Cable Guy. Yeah, yeah. Okay, good. I'm glad you at least agree with that. I'd say like top five is probably like Dumb and Dumber, Ace Ventura, Truman Show, and then Cable Guy. Man on Man on the Moon is so good too. Man on the Moon is good, but you're basing off his source material. Like he, come on, true. But he did it so well. He played the he played the Andy Kaufman character so well. Both characters because he's the only Andy person Kaufman, that even ever like really tried to do it. Everyone else is so afraid to do it. No one ever else ever did it. He just I don't know why he either. was just like fuck it. I'm gonna do it. And like not not like Andy Kaufman's like. I mean, he was iconic for his time, but that, come on, just an yeah, ugly dude. Yeah, he's just yeah. an ugly white dude. <laughs> come on, and Jim Carrey did it. Shit, though, too. <laughs> <laughs> That's true. Andy Kaufman was fucking weird person like what what he was doing at the, back in the 70s and 80s man weird fucking guy dude can you but did you know that ace ventura the mask and then i think dumb and dumb were all released in the same year let's see i, I still have his imdb open so 1994 we, i think it was just in case we, we brought him up again so so yeah the mask was 94 dumb and dumber was 94 east Vin- oh no wait oh no the first age yeah Ace Ventura. no you're right all three dude, movies in three 1994 movies in a year yeah, three movies in one year, and then he did Batman Forever in '95. <laughs> wait, wait, no, no, dude. Okay, wait. Here we go. Here we go. From from 1994 to 1996, this is what he did. <laughs> he did Ace Ventura. Like this is the big stuff he did. 94, 96 to 96. Ace Ventura, The Mask, Dumb and Dumber, Batman Forever, the second Ace Ventura, and The Cable Guy. 
Damn. Between 94 and 96. Three years right there. He did all of that. That's... Dude, I thought it was <laughs> spread out way more than that. I thought for I sure thought it was like, three movies in a year. That is just... That's crazy talk. Yeah. I thought, I thought these movies were spread out over like six or so years. <laughs> like, I didn't realize this was all in three years. In three years, he started and ended the Ace Ventura franchise. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. That's wild. That's crazy. And then did all of that in between and did all of that stuff in between. No big deal. Wow. That's remarkable. Dead. And it's it's funny like what you look at what he did before and after, just they don't hold a torch to, to the to that stuff. It's outside it's of very, sunshine. It's very hit or miss with mostly misses. Yeah, with a lot of misses. Yeah. But yeah, man, Truman Show, me myself and Irene was good, Man on the Moon, The Majestic was good, Bruce Almighty, obviously good. Liar Liar, great. Dude, I think, he's, he's put out some great stuff. I mean, not to go into like an entire Jim Carrey thing, but I think Truman Show is, is his best dramatic performance with hmm. Eternal as, as, as only like a, being, yeah. uh, being second just because aside from those two, he has nothing else. Yeah, because he's a co- well, he's also the co-star. Like you were saying, he's the co-star yeah. of Sunshine. So yeah, but as, as the stars, soul. man. But The Majestic was good too. That was good. That was good. Yeah, that was... Oh, the number twenty three. Remember that one? That yeah, was that was like one. his other like weird horror thing that he yeah. was trying to do, and it was still good. It, it wasn't bad at all. It didn't click at first. Yeah. And then people watched it and were like, "Oh, Jim Carrey can do things that is not just funny." <laughs> yeah, that was. I remember seeing that one in theaters with Tammy. Yeah, that was a good one. Not as not nearly one of his best, but it was still good. So, ah, oh, damn. Okay. Um, so do we have anything else on in fear and faith or, or what do you think? No, that's it. I'm good. I, I redeleted my notes. So we're good. Okay. So then what do you got for your number three banger? Three B three B is holding someone's hair back. The opener, oh, man, dude, that is my number three as well. Damn Gina. <laughs> this, this rarely happens where everything is lining up. Holy shit. Yeah. That's my three B. Okay. Oh man. This, this one, this one was obviously heavily inspired by, eternal sunshine this is pretty much the synopsis of the movie lyrically at least i just wanted yes. to throw that one out there up front yeah because that is yeah it's it's straight up a synopsis but musically it's it's not it's not your typical opener to an album it's not the most exciting thing it kind of it's a it's just weird it's just it doesn't make sense but it's amazing at the same time it's it's cool because it doesn't make sense and it's a little unconventional but when mm-hmm. we get down later on to like the, the bonus song, House of Leaves, and then the cyclical nature of the ending of that song going coinciding into the beginning of this one and how this, this mm-hmm. album just essentially loops over and over and over, which also coincides with the movie of Eternal Sunshine, where if you think about theoretically, like we can just erase our memories and start over from the beginning, but then end mm-hmm. up at the same point, but then erase our memories. And this is that cyclical nature. Yeah. So like when this band especially says, especially when you're not learning anything, yeah. You know, so especially making the same errors, especially when this band says like it's this isn't directly in, about it. Like this album is completely about Eternal Sunshine yeah. and like even from the uh, the soundscapes and everything. But whatever, holding someone's hair back, that opening soundscape gets me excited. When I first listened to this mm-hmm. last week, when we were done with it, when I was uh, kind of done with AFI listening through, and I put this on on our big speakers downstairs, we, it can get pretty loud. And just, I threw it on, and before I even walked away, that soundscape came in, and it just it, it brought me back <laughs> so just good. to like 2005, and it was just un, 
unbelievable how fast it did that. The ringing mm-hmm. out chords over the drum beat, and then you layer on the bass, and the bass has a subtle like and slide a, to it, right? It's, it it does, and also the 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 drum the drums are just so simple. They're nothing crazy. They're not winky. They're not super groovy. They're just it's just like a pretty generic drum beat, starting off at least. Dude, the, the the bass climbing action right before the chorus, gold, pure mm-hmm. gold. Yeah, the little solo or lead part, I guess, into the second verse. It's that sounds like some last mm-hmm. minute shit. It sounds like something they were doing in the studio, and he's like, oh, "I'm gonna do, I'm gonna go real quick," and he's like ripped it out real quick, and like, "Oh, that was, that was pretty fucking good." And then they carried it on into the verse. So I'm gonna, you know, I'm just gonna play, um, play this song, and I'm just gonna start, just without even a fade in. So. Here's a holding someone's holding someone's hair back from Circus Revive. There you go, holding someone's hair back from Circus Survive. I wanted to play up through the the transition back into that second verse because, I mean that that is my favorite part of this entire song. Just that 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 high guitar part. It's just it it's so <laughs> weird and it it's such a weird transition back into that second verse. And just like you you were saying, like the the set the the different soundscapes that they use on this, it's it's so effective. And there are many parts of the song that remind me a lot of what Deftones do in their music because they use a ton of soundscapes in their music and just kind of unconventional ways of writing songs. And I feel like that's this song. There's a lot of Deftones influence on this. So it's great. It's fantastic. See, I, but, I, I thought, I thought there was a lot of Omar in some of these, in these, uh, these higher like post hardcore guitar noodlings in the background, very Omar like in the, that. in the vein of like at the drive-in status that, um, Metronome arthritis, a dee 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 those random pickings. Oh yeah, yeah. 
Like that type of stuff. I can totally hear that killer song. And what you were saying about the baseline and the verses too, it's, it's, a, it's a lot like the, uh, mm. it kind of reminds me a lot of what they were doing in Act Appalled too, that do-do. It's just the, it's the, the sudden, I don't even know how to even explain it. It's just like the suddenness of, the, of those, those notes and how they're quickly cut short. I don't know. I don't even know how to explain it. That's no, that's kind of what it is. It's just a bass, cool bass line. Because again, the bass is in ding ding ding. The bass is hitting three notes, and that last yeah. note he's kind of sliding ding ding ding. Yeah, it's because it's, it's not a bend. It's not really a bend. It, it's more of a slide. Yeah, it's so subtle though, and like they purposely keep it like tight. They purposely keep it at the back, but it's yeah. it's there. It's there if you listen to it. It's there if you want it. Don't gotta take it if you don't want it. Don't worry about it. Keep on walking. So <laughs> it's good stuff, man. Stupid. And yeah, like again, I, I think this is this is definitely one that was inspired by Eternal Sunshine. Um Yeah. I think the Fair phrase synopsis. I think the phrase itself, holding someone's hair back, that is always reminding me of girls holding the hair back of their best friend while they're barfing. Yeah, that's what I always hear. That's uh, what I always think of. Okay, because I Googled, I mean, for whatever that's worth, holding someone's hair back and the only thing that popped up was Circus Survive, but I, I think, I think that's what it is. I think about being vulnerable, and then you know, when when you're barfing, that's you're, quite that's a low point. I mean, quite possibly your lowest point is when you're fucking barfing your brains out. <laughs> I know. And if you're like, if you got your homie behind you holding your hair back, anybody with long hair, really, mm-hmm. or anybody like proverbial hair, just taking care of you while you're barfing. If that person is still there while you're done barfing, then that's that's something to be said, right? That is that is something mm-hmm. to be said because watching a human barf is <laughs> it's weird. It's, it's gross. rough. So, it's rough. Yeah. It is rough. <laughs> <laughs> Barfing itself is rough, but watching somebody you it's care just such about a gross act is yeah. Things don't things <laughs> should not come out the way they do that fast out that hole <laughs> in your face. So it's, it's a very vulnerable great. position. And I, I think just the, the yeah. title itself, holding someone's hair back, being the opening track, I think is is already setting the standards, already setting the stage of this is going to be a vulnerable album. Given that, mm-hmm. I think the song explores uh someone forgetting someone, right? Or or better mm-hmm. yet, already having forgotten the person. And yeah coincides with eternal sunshine i i agree with you it's it's them just kind of if you're taking eternal sunshine out of it it's them just cutting all ties with said person and that's pretty much it like i don't know i i feel like it's it's just it's too closely related it's hard to even like take this out of context of that movie because and you should i just i just i have it i have it so embedded in my mind that i it's so hard for me to take it out of that so i yeah, I got I got nothing else really lyrically on this one just because it, it's it's a synopsis of the movie, the storyline in the movie. And like I don't know why they they so quickly distanced themselves from the movie. Maybe because when the movie came out it was kind of a flop and then later on it became like a cult classic and a a sleeper. Yeah. But yeah. I I don't know why you would dismiss your source material so quickly. It's it's very unlike Well, maybe uh, maybe, maybe it's, it's also unlike. because Maybe also it's because this is their debut record and they don't want to be pigeonholed as a band that, that doesn't, that, that can't write music outside of being inspired directly by something, you know, like maybe people could think, think about this band that they're, that they, they have no real talent because they're taking ideas from something else. You know, they have no, no real substance. 
That's true. And the so fact they want to that, distance themselves from that. that there was already so much pressure on Anthony from leaving Sayosin and then oh, yeah. forming a new band. And I mean, I can't even imagine what pressure would, would be like for him at this time. So and it, does, forming a, it does make sense. And forming a band that is pretty different from what he was doing in Sayosin. Because Sayosin were much more aggressive. They were much faster. They were way more energetic than Circa. But Circa is very laid back, a little more, they're, they're more complex in, in the layerings of what they're doing. It's just, it, it's very different music. So, and to do something way less energetic than Seos, and it's, it's I can imagine it's, it was probably very nerve wracking and scary putting this out. Because everybody, pro- everybody wanted more of translating the name. They wanted more of that EP. And this is not that at all. This is very different. I mean, it's a great there, record. Though. There's not even, I mean, outside of like the side projects and and things like that, there's not even a lot of bands that sound like Circa, even coming no. out of of the the emo, per, prog rock scene. Mm-hmm. There's just not like, and then the bands that do sound kind of similar have have hooked up. Like RX Band is Chiodos. A lot yeah. of these bands have hooked up and done other side projects with each other. So it's a very it's a very niche genre that Circa really kind of decided to take the step forward and say, okay, we are here. Here we are. Mm. We're done. Let's do it. The one band that might come kind of close, but only, you know, musically would be a brief period of Thrice's career. I mean, obviously Dustin and Anthony Green sound nothing alike, but there are a lot of musical aspects that are similar between the two bands. And that's why they toured so much. And that's honestly why I've seen Circa survive, Circa survive so much over the years was because I've seen them open up for Thrice, like probably three times outside of seeing Circa headlining shows. I mean, but yeah, I mean, they, the, they go, they kind of go hand in hand with Thrice of this kind of era of like Visu up through uh, their hiatus. That's, that's what I was, I, I mean, being the huge Thrice fan that I am, I <laughs> I think like Alchemy, that's those those four slash two albums mm-hmm. are very much like this. Yeah, they're very vulnerable. They're very different. They're very, here's what we got to say. If you don't like it, then I, fuck me, I guess, yeah, then, type of yeah, thing. Yeah, exactly. They really just did it for themselves and that was it. They they kind of didn't care about what other people were going to think. I mean, they must That's not have, because that Earth, that, I think it was the Earth one. Yeah, the Earth album from Alchemy was, eh. Air was the was the worst for me. Maybe it was the Air one. Yeah, air was the worst. The no, I think it was earth. Was I think it was earth because it. earth I thought was going to be more down to earth, more acoustic driven, and it mm. it was kind of lame. I mean, the the air and earth were the, were the tough ones to get through, but fire and water, fucking forget about it. It was forget. fire. <laughs> <laughs> okay, so do we have anything else on holding someone's hair back? No. Nah. Nah, okay. nah, nah, nah. So then, what's your four B? Are we gonna? Are we still gonna match know. up? What do you think? Here we go. It's with resign. Oh, uh, no, okay. Yeah, that's not my that's not my four B. Sorry. What's your four B? Yeah, my four B is uh, Oh Hello. Oh, yeah. Oh Hello. Interesting. That okay. one. Uh, that one is that's a killer song. But but let, let's go with uh my with, with, Wish resign right? Yeah. With resign. Uh, yeah. Wish resign. With resign. Uh, wish resign. It's wish right? I think it's wish. Yeah. Yeah, it's wish resign. Yeah. So wish so what resign. do you got? What do you got on this one? Uh, first of all, it opens up with a rad lick. Right? That is a good. That's a fucking good, yeah. dope ass lick. It's heavy. It's yep. effective. There's a lot of sounds here. There's guitar screeches, feedbacks, and there's this overall kind of feeling of an uneasiness. Makes mm-hmm. you feel a little bit weird. And and circa, 
circuit can do that. They can throw a lot of ambient noises at you that just make you kind of feel weird. And there's a lot of noise in the chorus, just like a wave mm-hmm. of sound that requires multiple listens to even like discern what's going on. There's just a lot of noise and it's not even, it's, it's not even pleasant, but it's deliberately not <laughs> pleasant. That's yeah, what they were going yeah. for. Like they didn't, you know what I mean? Like, like it's, yeah. it sounds like shit to be honest. Like it sounds like, it sounds like trash. It sounds like shit, but I think that's what they were going for. And that go, that, that goes along with the uneasiness of the song itself. It does. And so, I mean, with, with that heavy guitar riff too, you, you kind of, the drums kind of come in and they're very swingy and very open sounding. So it's also this like weird, it's this combination of sounds and instruments that, that shouldn't normally sound good, but it still does. And like you were saying, it is a little unsettling at points. And then there are like random buildups in the song that kind of almost don't really lead anywhere, but they just kind of build up back into the, the swinginess of kind of just the song it's it's a weirdly structured song and that's kind of why i I didn't put it as a banger for me it's definitely not a stinker but it's just it's a little too out there for me to really get on get on board with but it's okay 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 but yeah like you said that that opening riff is so it's so good and so just crunchy like almost sludgy and heavy i i love it I think it's fantastic. It's the only it's the only time on this entire album that is really truly just like heavy rock, like hard mm-hmm. heavy rock, with yeah with with without being weighed down by prog or or emo or any of the other genres. It's just straight up like heavy rock. It's some just taking that riff on its own. It's some shit you could hear like Sabbath playing or any kind yeah, of the heavy good, metal yeah. bands. Especially of the like the late seventies, early eighties, maybe yeah, I could totally see that. That's good. It's good stuff. So should we play it and then get into the lyrics, or what do you think? Nah, we. I mean, I got seven Bs. I'm sure we have more Bs that overlap. So let's get on to the next one because the next one, okay. my your four B is a B for me. Okay. Yeah, I mean, because I do want to play my my four B. So because I think oh hello, I mean, the way the way it kind of it, it's heavy and fast right off the start. And that that quick little build up into Anthony's scream because this is the only time on this record that he screams is that opening part of Oh Hello. He doesn't and scream that often, like like we said, like it's like a handful of times that he screams over the course of Circus' career. Yeah, you're you're totally right, and just and then that guitar riff too is very heavy. That wait, I can't even like do it with my voice, but it's frantic. This entire song is frantic. Is. There's a lot yeah. of stuff going on. There's it's it's a lot to unpack and it's a song that you you need to listen to at least twice to really kind of get what's going on and get the picture. Um, it's great. And then just the the opening line, "Didn't I know you, mystery man?" I don't know. I just I've always really liked. He has he has a lot of good opening lyrics. You know, for, from holding someone's hair back to act appalled. I don't know. It's just there's something about that his first lines of a song that I just captivating for whatever reason they're, they're strong he knows how to come out swinging he knows how yeah. to, he knows how to grab you right from the get-go right from the start yeah because he does have some really like we've talked about it, he has some really really great lines but um you know what let's just play let's just play oh hello just because we need some we need some energy back so so here it is from circus revive
There you go. Oh, hello. From Circa Survive. One of my um one of my favorites one of my favorite mm-hmm. lyrics is in this song too, is the the quick dilation is the only chance we have left. I I don't know I I just always love that that lyric and then in the context of this song I feel like it, it just it it works so well it plays so well with what he's trying to get across at least what I think he's trying to get across. Mm. It's a killer song, man. Okay. What, what do you what do you think about this one? I don't know. We we already talked about it. Like like musically, I I I think it's quite the different intro than we're used to hearing mm-hmm. on the album. It's this hard rock instrumental with the scream. And that's, that's like off putting coming off of, mm-hmm. which I think is, it's kind of the low point of this album is the, the previous three tracks, golden boy or golden baby fucking car. And then we're all thieves. And then getting to, Oh, hello. It's uh it's intense. It's frantic. Yeah. There's a lot of stuff going on. And, and there's some like really, there's a really, really quick guitar noodling going on here that I think is so damn good. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it really is. That's uh, I don't know. That's the high point for me. This is my this is my last B though. This is my seven B. How can it be so low? It barely made it. It barely made it. That's that is to say oh, yeah. that that I'm trying to do this thing now where, like, I love this album through and through, but like, mm-hmm. not everything has to be a B. I can still love the album entirely and, and not everything be like a banger. Because I don't know about you, but like the golden baby, stop the fucking car and we're all thieves are not bees for me. See, I think, see, stop the fucking car is my five B, but I, I get what you, what you mean by the great golden baby and, and we're all thieves. Cause it's, it's definitely, I feel like those three songs are, are like a trilogy. You know, you, you kind of get the, the, the climax and the rising action are in, stop the fucking car, but everything else is like a build up to that or like the, the resolution to that song. You know, it's, it's a good three songs all together as one, but yeah, I, I, I get what you mean. Stop the fucking car is the only one that I would maybe put as a B just because yeah. it's the only time in the entire album that lets Anthony and Steve, the drummer play around with each other and just kind of be yeah, it, kind of like, playful and and it's just it's cool it's a cool part it's almost like a like a predecessor to what we heard on Desensus and amulet like you you get a lot of busy drumming on that song yeah and there's a lot of cool build-ups in that song and like you said like the way him and anthony play off of each other i think is unique and it's very it's very of this what this band would become later in their career that that's one of the reasons why i like that song but but oh hello is also the lyrics to me, I just, I think are just so killer too. I just, the it's it, to me, it's kind of like, it can be the perspective of, of eternal sunshine and of, of, of her character in that it, it, it's the only time on this record where it takes her perspective rather than Jim Carrey's perspective. And yeah. which, which was nice. It was nice to see, it was nice to see something different. And then just his, his use of metaphors, um, in the song and, relating that to the cocaine use and like i said the the lines where he said all along all we've been given is the ugliest things all along we've been a mess now quick dilation is the only chance we have left oh it's so good it the use of the word dilation and cocaine because obviously the use of cocaine it makes your eyes super dilated and just the quickness of it i don't know i just I, i think it's a great metaphor for the, their relationship and and the drug use of, of of his own drug use, I think it's fantastic on this song. Yeah, I, I think that's good. I that's think that's um, that's that's again, 
like there's so many different ways you could take this. And to be fair, like Kate Winslet's narrative and Eternal Sunshine is the same as Jim Carrey's narrative, right? It's the same fucking yeah. thing. They both yeah. didn't like each other and they both erased their memory and they both fell in love again. So I, I but I think that that also coincides with what he's feeling is the reason why he numbs the pain is because he's hoping, he's wanting the other person to feel the way he feels. It doesn't mm. matter if they do or not, but it's that middle ground again, we're coming back to it, the middle ground. It's that wondering, do they feel the same? But we're not mm. we're not at the ending yet. We're not we're not led to believe that the person does feel the same, that the person does not feel the same. Doesn't matter. It's that that worrying stage, that that staying up all night stage, that staying up all night doing coke stage. It's that worrying, that that hopelessness you almost feel. And I think that's again overall what I think Anthony was really trying to convey in this entire album, while masking it yeah. as an inspiration from Eternal Sunshine. Mm-hmm. Yeah, agreed, man. I totally agreed. Tig he, he, he does it so well. He does it so fucking well. So yeah, that's my that's my four B. Um, okay. Do you got anything else on Oh Hello? What do you I, I I uh, I do not. I do not. So then let's get into your into your five B. What do you got? Because I already did my five B. So we stop the fucking car. So this is oh, all yeah. you. The rest all of the right. way out because I only got five Bs. Oh okay. Well, my five B is. So what do we got? As you could probably guess, this would have been a B. <laughs> my five B is meet me in Montauk. Mm-hmm. Montauk, ha, ha. ah, <laughs> yes, like Haunter, ha, ha, ha. <laughs> so dumb. <laughs> so I will say, Mimi Montauk is my five B. House of Leaves, which is the 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 secret song, the I, the fan that was given a tough one for me name song. That I guess it has to be my five B because it's a part of Mimi and Montauk. Yeah, but if it was its own song, it would have been my four B. Really, like uh, this Loved is it. this is a song that I never I never really listened to prior to this week. Okay, I really I really just because it was a secret song, I never because I, I I never really listened to Meet Me in Montauk that much because it was acoustic and I never really for a long time I never really liked his vocals acoustic with an acoustic guitar. It just wasn't my thing, so I never really listened past it. And so I never really listened to House of Leaves outside of this week. Okay. So I don't have much of an opinion on it because of it. All right. Well, I got a fuck ton of notes. Let me, uh, let me enlighten Okay, yeah, no, your, let's go through it. Let's go through let me, it. Yeah. Let me enlighten your fucking stupid brain. Mimi <laughs> um, <laughs> and Montauk is it's this cute little song, and it's I think it's a nice cap mm-hmm. off to the album. It's a little bit acoustic. It's mostly acoustic. It's not entirely acoustic mostly, by yeah. my standards. Because you cannot be entirely acoustic unless you are just an singing, uh, singing outside. <laughs> I guess that would be the only true like acoustic thing is just singing outside. With you have <laughs> the strictest rules when it comes to acoustic. Yeah, so. I do. Very, very strict so, and uh, non-linear. Really. Yeah, they make no sense yeah. sometimes. Um, <laughs> but I like the amount of open strings on this, right? You can uh-huh. hear him. He's just playing fucking power chords, but he's leaving the G, B, and E string open for a more like yeah. ethereal effect. He's letting those notes ring out while he's playing like the high, the high C's and the high E's. And so it's 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 a good, it's a good display of guitar playing because it's dumbed down. It's not very difficult, but it gives the illusion of it being more extravagant than it is. Much like. 
the eternal sunshine, like all of these things. We're going back to it again. And it's, mm-hmm. it's, do you think, was it Anthony who played guitar on this song? I've seen him or play was it, guitar for this, but I don't know it was him on this album. Or was it Colin or Brendan? Like, I don't, considering kind of the simpleness of it, it could just be Anthony on this song. Like I said, I, I don't, I don't know. I don't know for sure who did it on album. I've seen him play guitar. I mean, I've seen him play this song on guitar live. I think yeah. when we saw them, we saw them at, at Glass House, right? Yeah, we've that? seen him at the Glass House. Okay. So I, yeah, when, I've when seen him them, twice at the Glass House. When we saw him at Glass House, he played this on the guitar. It was him that did it. Yeah. So I Wait, know he can... really? I'm, uh, yeah. I don't I, remember. I know he can play it on guitar. Not that it's a difficult song, but I know he does it on the guitar. Mm-hmm. Um, but for whatever that's worth. But I, I, I think the song is about like the feeling of deliberately losing someone than having this feeling of emptiness that you can't ignore like eternal sunshine it's the whole premise of the movie is is forgetting someone but then there's that thing inside of them that they feel like wow there's there's something missing in me i don't know what it is i don't know why it's there but that's why we go to montauk that's why jim carrey and kate winslet go to montauk is something discussed beforehand she says meet me in montauk and in the beginning of the movie of eternal sunshine mm-hmm. he jumps trains and he goes to montauk for no reason other than he just feels like he has to and I think that's yeah. making that mistake over and over and over is, is what is what's so great. It's, it's what's so like it is what makes humans human. And I, I like that is that is why that scene in the beginning and towards the end, if not the ending scene of Eternal Sunshine is like the best because it shows Jim Carrey making the same mistake he's already made. Who knows yeah. how many times, right? Because we don't know how many times they've done this already because we know Fucking Spider-Man. Who kissed Spider-Man? What's the girl's name? Kirsten Dunst. Jesus Christ. Why did I forget her name so much? Kirsten Dunst. Kirsten Dunst. We know that she got blindsided, right? By the by the doctor dude. He's mm-hmm. already yeah. fucking men in black zapped her memory with a thing. <laughs> so we who knows how many times Jim Carrey and Kate Winslet have, have erased her memories like this. So they're making the same mistake over and over and over and over. And it's just why why do we do this to ourselves why do humans make the same mistake over and over and over and it's because of that middle ground it feels so good mm-hmm. it's so great <laughs> yeah i know i know that's why we drink is because the middle part feels fucking good who cares if we're barfing all night <laughs> who cares with the hold someone's hair back who cares if we who wake cares up in the morning the with it dude who cares the middle ground is the fucking best and that's why we make mistakes over and over and over and over yeah but it's also like like a good it could be a good moral to a story too like you got to you got to learn from your mistakes. Like this is what happens when you don't learn from your mistakes. You keep making them over and over again. There's no lesson to be learned if you don't remember, that, you know what I mean? It's that cliche where people say some mistakes are worth making, you know? Mm, okay, yeah. And yeah. that's like that's a dumb thing to say and it's so cliche and on almost almost on the lines of like live laugh love and all that other Oh god, it's so bad. Butthole eating bullshit. <laughs> but it's dude, Mimi and Montauk is, is a fantastic song. I think it's a it's a killer I think it's a killer closer. And I think having a secret song at the end of it is just like an even better thing. Because the hidden track that comes after Montauk, it's like at the mm-hmm. nine minute mark. This is one of those songs that like it needs it just it needs more complexity. It's a slow jam, and I think that's why it's a little yeah. off putting. It's a slow jam because it's almost six minutes. But there's no Too complexity long. in it, in the instrumentation because it drags on. If, mm-hmm. But towards the end, it, it picks up, and like the last minute and a half is what you want the entire song to be, just a little bit more subtle. 
Like I, I think the last minute and a half is is traditional circuit. It's layered. It's it's complex. It's thought out. Everybody is doing a really good job. The problem is it comes out the last minute and a half mark, and mm-hmm. so I think that's. I love this song though. I think it's such a banger of a closer. And when I had this on CD, when I had it in my, it was my my Aveo. Was my Aveo? Or was my no? It was Kia. the Mazda. No, because no. it had to be my Kia. Because I got my Kia right at the Mazda was. The Mazda was first, and then yeah, the I old beat up Mazda, Mazda was first. right after high school. I think the Mazda was, was right, like right when we graduated high school. I got the Kia, that little Kia Sport is a little no, because you didn't thing. you didn't drive it you didn't drive at all in high school. I know I I didn't drive till I was eighteen. Yeah, so but I didn't have the Mazda that long because I had the Kia. I got rid of the Kia the when f- I f- first started dating Taylor, and I started dating Taylor when I was like twenty. I remember you had the Kia when you when we worked at Fix Auto. And Fixado was, Fixado was 2006. Yeah, because I worked at Tower, I worked at Tower in 2006, and I also worked at Fixado at the same time. So when I left Tower, I I was working both jobs at Fix and Tower. So maybe, so I, yeah, I don't know. for sure, for sure, the Mazda, maybe the Kia, but whatever it was, I could skip on my CD. I could skip. I could press the skip button, and it would skip the silence. And so oh, okay, on the CD okay. I had it would skip and I could always just listen to this last one no problem and um yeah I, like I, I never I never I never listened well I had an iPod at this point so yeah I I did have the CD but I also had the the iPod so yeah I don't know I just I just never I never listened never really listened to House of Leaves just never was my thing because by the time Mimi and Montauk came on I was just like kind of I would just go to another album or I'd start this record over because I'd rather just listen to this record again than listen to Mimi and Montauk. Oh. And I'd never really listened to house of leaves. Just never okay. really cared. Cause house I was, I, you know, I wasn't an acoustic man at that the time. True. That is I was, true. I was into metal music, punk music, you know, the farthest I strayed into like indie music was Weezer, you know, prog wise was Mars Volta. You know, I just never was, never was into soft music never my thing so you were i know you're a real cool guy us us non really cool us non-cool guys couldn't keep up i was but really cool house was, of leaves is dope and i actually read uh, i read about reading a book i read about the book mm-hmm. the house of leaves because i was interested <laughs> this is a crazy interesting book that i i'm considering like buying and then not reading yeah it'll <laughs> sit on your shelf yeah but like there's so like this book i don't know if you know anything about this book I do not. But plot-wise aside, there's it's just super interesting. There's multiple narratives, I guess, that intersect and play off each other as the book goes mm-hmm. on. So you're reading like two different versions of the book and they like interact with each other and it's very weird and very very off-putting and hard to follow sometimes. And then there's like mm-hmm. a ton of footnotes throughout the book. So you read something okay. and there's a footnote, but then the footnote themselves have other footnotes. And it's just, it's rampant throughout the book. And then the book at points, it like, you have to rotate it to read it. Okay. Weird. Kind of very weird. The the plot itself, I can't remember what it was. It's a long book. Holy shit. It is a long book. It's over 700 pages. But it's, 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 it's supposed to be really fucking good. It's supposed to be like really, really good and just really unique and, and thought provoking and just unconventional. Yeah, I'm very I mean, interested. I thought this. I thought this was an old book, like from the early 1900s. But no, 
2000 came yeah. out in 2000 and then reading like the genre it's horror romance satire postmodernism just not what i was expecting at all wow this is i'm i'm interested but damn it's a long fucking book yeah it's a very long book i mean i do i do enjoy long books if they're good but sometimes long sometimes long books can really fucking drag well that's that's the problem with i mean books in general is is the time you put into it are you a quitter or are you a finisher are you really going to finish a book that you don't like and spend i mean tens there of hours are, into it there are several books i've not finished because they've just been so fucking boring and like a, a, a prime example of of books being too long are like new star wars books i mean i i tried to get into a lot of new star wars books and they've re- they've strictly relied on the name star wars and they've been really bad books like 500 page books that i will not finish after 100 pages because the characters suck and they solely rely on the fucking name star wars it sucks it's a real shame but then some amazing books have come out that are 700 800 pages that i i just i absolutely love like some classic classic books like the bible oh the bible (laughs) is interesting the Bible is interesting. I'm done talking about books for now. Maybe we should start a book pod. Who knows? Maybe if you want to oh my book, God, start get a book the pod. fuck out of here with your book clubs and book pods. <laughs> this fucking guy. I'd be down. I'd be down. Dude, you ruined the last I one. Ruin, I did not ruin yes, the last one. Yes, you did. Club. It was fucking not. you. It was not me. Yes, it you was. You chose the times, fucking Odyssey, me. dude. You're a fucking little cuck. I specifically created this book club so we could read like Plato, The Republic, and all these other crazy fucking books I've never read. And then you had your pick, and you picked like the fucking Odyssey, some shit we read in like eighth grade. Killed it. Okay, it was well, you, one hundred percent. I'll it bet fucking. Me. It was not me. May God, it Allah, Buddha, Vishnu, strike me down as I'm lying here, sitting today. It was not me. It, it was, was you, one hundred. I did not ruin the book club. I did not. No, you didn't ruin the book club. You just took the momentum out of the book club and the book club dissolved on its own. It wasn't your fault. You were the catalyst. No, I was not. I don't blame you. I blame you for being the catalyst. (laughs) All right. So eventually we'll probably do a book pod. Who knows? Uh, After Jeff, you know, stops being a little bit fussy. But yeah, I I got nothing else on on Juturna or Circa, really. I mean, you don't really have anything, right? No, that is. um, Okay. Yeah, that's it. Okay, so 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 let's give our final thoughts on this one, uh, and then rate uh, rate the album with our very very famous and popular um, three point <laughs> rating system, where three is a perfect album, two is a good album you should continue to listen to, one is a bad album but you should at least give it a shot, and zero is just just a trash fire. It's terrible. Don't even bother with it. So, what are your final thoughts and rating, Jeff? Go. Uh, final thoughts is this album brings it back, man. This album brings it back. Circuit brings it back. Sound of Animals Finding brings it back. And I listened to a lot of RX bandits this week, which I haven't done in many, many weeks, many, many months, actually. Mm-hmm. And I just, I, this was a good week. I just had a really good week of a lot of good tunes that I haven't listened to in a long time. And Circus Survive just holds a place in my heart. And it's, it's, it's the period it's the period, at least for me, that I transitioned into hanging out a lot in the Brea area because yeah. my girlfriend at the time lived in Brea and so hanging out with her and her friends. And there was kind of like a divide, not a divide, I should say. We separated a little bit, our group of friends. We mm-hmm. kind of diverged a little bit. 
we we hung out still and whatever, but our day to day lives weren't as intertwined because we didn't live together. Yeah, and so there, I, I was spending a lot of time in the Brea area, and Circa was was a a massive part of that because it wasn't just me that liked Circa, but she liked Circa, and then her friends Noel and then Travis they liked Circa, and so there was just there was just like a lot of Circa being listened to. There's a lot of sounds of animals <laughs> fighting. There's a lot of RX bandits. There was just a lot of that era. There's a lot of Chiodos. And it was, yeah. it was a, uh, it was a good time. It was a good time. And it was right around when we started partying right around when we started drinking. So it was just, it was just, I don't know, innocent youth, I guess. And that's kind of what Circa means to me. And, and I guess Juturna, the, the goddess of, of water, boring fucking yeah. water puddles the goddess of puddles <laughs> fountains essentially <yeah>. right <laughs> who the fuck wants to be the goddess of puddles uh, but that's and cool. we didn't we didn't even really touch upon the artwork which is so cool too but yeah dude the artwork is so dope and it's the same oh, dude that doesn't right. he's from arizona he's from mesa yeah from mesa i saw that yeah dude and i he hasn't done anything else outside of like his own like gallery artwork like he doesn't he hasn't done artwork for as far as i could tell anybody else no. Like, this is just, this is him. Like, he doesn't, Circus Survive and his own little art shows, that's it. That, it's it's, it's like, crazy. Looking him up on Instagram, it seems like he's just, he's happy with just being, man, I don't want to say nobody because that's so derogatory, but he's just happy being normal. Yeah. Knowing that yeah. he's done something really cool in the past, but he's not looking to be famous off it. He's just cool living his living his life. Living his best life is the best he can. Yeah, and that's that's what he seems like. He and seems artwork, like a really cool guy. The artwork is all fucking cool. Like everything is really rad. It's all very different from each other, and and it's in much of the same vein as like Roger Dean from Yes, and many of the mm-hmm. iconic artwork. It's 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 a very lot of purples different. and reds that he uses, and like darker yellows. He doesn't. He has a very like specific color scheme to his to his artwork too. Yeah, you there's know, no it's not, there's no yeah. whites. There's no whites. There's a lot of dark colors and there's a lot of edges, a lot of sharp points. Yeah, it it reminds me a lot of like a circus theme as well. Like a very dark circus. Yeah, a lot of balloons, a lot of uh, yeah. uh, dresses. I don't know, man. It's just really cool. It's really unique and it's really cool. Juturn is just something else. It's not a perfect album because I think there are songs on here that that are not up to the standards of what in fear and faith is and that's not even fair to the songs itself because that song is a beyond banger yeah but i i think juturna holds a place in and just uh, even like our friends who don't even really listen to music know a lot of these songs because Mm -hmm. they've heard them so many damn times and just us growing up us growing up in our 20s this was a this was fucking this was there man circa had been there for so many years and if it wasn't Circa, Circa again, it was Sounds of Animals Fighting. It was yeah. any of the other bands that that drove off from Sounds of Animals Fighting. So, oh, it was just it was it was a time to be alive, and and <laughs> it was a good it was a good trip down nostalgia lane this week, and I had a great time with it. Um, uh, I, I do two point two point seven five with Circa. Damn. Okay. Because I I don't think it's a perfect album. There are songs on here that I I just I think that are too they're too boring. They're just not as good as In Fear and Faith. But overall, I think Circa this album does something for me that not a lot of albums give me this much passion and pleasure and memories and feeling. 
Yeah. I think I think overall that's that's what they were going for. Mm-hmm. I don't know, two point seven five. Two point seven five. I mean, yep. that's a that's that's a good ranking. I'm 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 happy with that. I'm happy with that. That's all. It's, it's the only appropriate ranking, to be honest. <laughs> okay, so my my final thoughts on this one. I mean, the nostalgia hits so hard with it. Um, it's like you were saying. It, it's it's a very very specific part of of my growing up in the in my late teens, early twenties. Um, you know, with with several groups of friends. Not like we like you were saying. It wasn't just within you and I and our, our mutual group of friends, but you know, with my friend John and he introduced me to some people that were important to my life at the time. And, you know, I'm still friends with nowadays, you know, in the Lancaster area. I mean, I spent a lot of time in Lancaster at the, at, at in my late teens and early twenties because of John. And that's kind of where he, cause we grew up as kids and he moved away when when in junior high when he got it when he got into junior high he moved to Lancaster and we 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 remained friends like online and over the phone because this is before text really so him and I reconnecting was me going out to Lancaster a lot him coming to Orange County a lot and spending like you know two or three days just together because you know that's he was the only person I knew out there I was myself and another mutual friend, Sean, were the only connection he knew out here. So it was a lot of time spent together and Circus Survive was one of those bands that we listened to a lot. And it, me being introduced to his friends like Heather and, and people like that out there was, I don't know, it's just, it was a cool time. And then all the Tower Records people that I met and kind of grew with at the time, it was just, it was a weird and very cool and interesting time. And, um, yeah, musically this, this record is killer. Like we already talked about, we really dove into that, but the nostalgia does hit hard. So, um, I'm going to have to give this one a 2.75 as well. It's, it's not, it's not a perfect record. Like there are, there are kind of all, I don't want to say zone out moments, but they're close. They're close. So yeah, 2.75 out of three for me. It's uh it's killer. It's a killer fucking record. I wish I had it on vinyl. I wish it wasn't so expensive. But you know, I'm I'm holding out for a repress. So I'm sure it'll happen. You know, <laughs> what what do we it, well the fifteenth anniversary just came and went. I know, but so I don't know when that's gonna happen then. <laughs> I I mean, maybe they didn't press it because all the, the vinyl shortages, supposedly. So maybe that's why it, there wasn't a, a proper repress. But this, but like, who knows? I don't know. Like, even if you just type in "Circus Survives Best Albums," this is not even in like the top three in a lot of polls. And it's I know it's it's so weird. You just think like, have you have you heard this album, uh, Mike from Rolling Stone? Have you heard this album? <laughs> I know Jimmy from and Loudwire. They give you know like Violent Waves like great reviews, which is a good album, but. Damn man, it's just it it has nothing on Juturna. But you know, maybe a lot of it is nostalgia, Jeff. It could be. No, because every time I listen to this, there is no baseline like in Fear and Faith. There's no baseline that they've done since then. None. Yeah, it's true. Fact. It's true. Mm -hmm. And sonically too. Sonically, yeah, it's a little bit quieter of a record, like I was saying in the album rankings. But it's still there's there's a lot of layering, a lot of dynamics on this record like I think I was texting you earlier this week too this record I haven't listened to it on with headphones in years and and doing that when I when I when I went out on my run I was just I was hearing so many things I just I had forgotten and or just not noticed in so long and it's a 
it's a beautifully mixed, mastered, produced record. It's it sounds fantastic. So mm-hmm. it's good. It's good. But still not a perfect record. It's two point seven five out of three for both of us. So yeah. uh, so we got anything else to say or we, we no. good to just kinda yeah. kinda end this one? Yep. And so trail off. Okay. So uh yeah, thank you all for listening, for getting this far. We we talked a lot more than I thought, actually. This is a good almost hour and 40 hour 45 minutes so um thank you all for listening go to apple Podcasts, go rate review and subscribe to us follow us on social media at s9 radio and uh yeah keep on listening stay tuned for the next episode because i think i know what we're doing but i don't know either way the next few episodes are going to be pretty rad so uh that's it that's all david w Because what? These books are better? Because I say it matters. Now, you don't read books, then you're fucking stupid. Got big cheeks. Every time we text in our group chat, you always talk about, that's stupid. But it's about the it's about the journey. <laughs> Spider-Man's girlfriend, Kristen Dunst. He's just laying there the whole time. Spider-Man's he, girlfriend. I forgot her name was. She did the upside down kiss of Spider-Man. Who doesn't want to kiss Spider-Man upside down? Are you kidding me? You tell me Spider-Man looking in front of you, you're not going to kiss him upside down. Fucking everybody, everybody better kiss Spider-Man upside down.